I am funded for another project called the Great Filter. The goal of the Great Filter is to help the governance project of Cardano, Project Catalyst, to create an objective open source filtering criteria to filter out high quality proposals so that people who are interested in the governance of Cardano can save time and be encouraged to spend their limited time participating in voting and giving feedback to the proposals. Welcome to the Cardano Source Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and on this weekly podcast, I catch up with a range of Cardano innovators, thought leaders, and changemakers who are using Cardano to make an impact within the world of cryptocurrency and beyond. As Charles Hoskinson puts it, we are Cardano, and if you permit us, we'd like to change the world. If that sounds like you, then make sure to subscribe, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and today we're joined by Dumpling, a stakeboard operator, a project catalyst proposer who was successful in Fund 4 with two of her proposals, the Great Filter and the Cardano China Info Hub. She's also the co-founder of a Cardano jewelry and NFT business called Hifu Peterson, and also, also content creator aiming to grow the Chinese-speaking Cardano community. So welcome, Dumpling, to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Blaine, for receiving me at 5 a.m. local time. Yes, yes, 5, 5 a.m. where I am, so early start. But as always, you wake up early to speak to all these awesome people in the community. So thank you for coming on. So as you can tell from the intro, you're, there's a lot that you're doing at the moment. Can you... um? maybe elaborate a bit more on who you are and what you do. Yes, of course. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Bullish Dumpling, so you can call me Dumpling. <laughs> I am from China. I am currently located in the UK. My involvement with the Cardano community is most of my time I spend on creating high-quality Cardano content in Chinese language to educate and to introduce people all over the globe that are Chinese-speaking. Get them into Cardano, get them into staking, get them to learn more about the community, the ecosystem. So that's where I spend most of my time. Apart from that, I also I am funded for another project called the Great Filter. The goal of the Great Filter is to help the governance project of Cardano, Project Catalyst, to create an objective open source filtering criteria to filter out high quality proposals so that people who are interested in the governance of Cardano can save time and be encouraged to spend their limited time participating in voting and giving feedback to the proposals. I also run a stake pool. My pool ticker is called Fika. Uh, Fika is a Swedish cultural slang. It stands for coffee, cake, and socializing with your friends and colleagues. I really like that. <laughs> it's very chill. And also, because I am dumpling, I really can't name my pool, you know, dump. It will sound, you know, a little bit bearish. Yeah, yeah, so, that's very true. Very true. That's a wise marketing move. Fika. Yeah. Fika. Yeah. <laughs> And apart from that, I also do jewelry. 
uh, I create high jewelry, uh, high, I create fine jewelry. Mm-hmm. So I tend, I, so I limit, so I linked that with Cardano because, you know, we have a lot of merch already in the Cardano community, keychains, mugs and everything. But I wanted to create something that people could wear to any kind of events day and night. And it should be unisex. So men and women can all wear that. Something that, for example, you can wear to the Cardano Summit. If you're a man, you can wear it as a lapel pin on your suit. Yeah. Or if you're a lady, you can wear it as a pendant. And yeah. uh, we link that with CNFTs. So for each piece, it has an NFT minted on Cardano. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting experiment. And, mm-hmm. and it's a physical manifestation for our love and pride for Cardano. Mm-hmm. So I do quite a lot of things. Uh, I also run a Chinese community with on Telegram. Now we have about 300 Chinese-speaking people there. It's, mm. be, uh, it's becoming a little bit hard to manage. So I'm looking at solutions, how to scale that. Interesting, interesting. So I'd love to kind of dive deep into each of those kind of topics, but um, I'd love to rewind a little bit first. And could you maybe briefly tell a story about how you first got involved with crypto and also Cardano? Yes. Um, my story is nothing special. You know, I was looking into investment opportunities. You get into index funds uh, and then stocks and then Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then you sort of start to look down the list on the top market cap coins. And, but the thing that got me really into Cardano, if I were to say just one thing, because there are many cool things about Cardano, the one thing would be the community. Mm. I read quite a lot of subreddits when I was finding out good projects to uh, to dive into. But Cardano has a very special community vibe and atmosphere. People there tend to be quite educational, open-minded, and even sometimes self-critical. You can say you can see that they are very careful to not create a community that's an echo chamber. And I really Mm. appreciated that. Uh, On top of that, I am a woman and I see just my observation, the Cardano community is quite female friendly and you got quite some female SBOs, educators. And when I was first getting into it, they were super helpful. So that really uh, strengthened my confidence in investing and later participating, be engaged in the Cardano community. Mm-hmm. So the Cardano community. So you can, were researching, um, first of all, as a potential investor, right? And then... yes. Yeah, and then you got more involved with the community. You felt they were pretty cool, receptive, helpful, and then you just dove a bit deeper into Cardano and then you got hooked, essentially. Yes, so I think it's quite representative for many people. You know, many people don't go into it because they're interested in Hmm. Haskell or coding because they're (laughs) looking for some, you know, to the moon, and then they discover Cardano and think, uh, this is not just to the moon, it's to another universe. Yes, to another universe. That's the cool thing about Cardano. It's um, obviously part of this cryptocurrency world and there's a lot of moon boys, a lot of moon girls, um, Mm -hmm. which is totally fine. But then you hear a number of stories where uh, people are kind of just getting involved in the space uh, as an investor. They stumble upon Cardano, see that maybe as an opportunity to make some money. And Mm -hmm. then um, you learn more about you know, the other layers of Cardano and you realize this is actually, like you mentioned, this is going not to the moon, but to some other galaxy, some other universe. So, so cool. So cool. Um, 
maybe we could for things that you're doing at the moment talk about the project catalyst stuff so project catalyst is is um such a awesome part of cardano um the the idea that people can submit ideas and then there's this treasury with a lot of ada in it um that can um where the community can vote on the ideas and receive some of this money from the treasury such an awesome concept and it's actually working and people are using it yeah. and more and more people are using it each fund but that process and uh, if you hop on idea scale try and go through all the different ideas it's not necessarily the the easiest thing um to navigate through yeah. so could you speak to your particular uh, proposal that actually was successful and got funding and break mm-hmm. down i guess why you submitted that as an idea and the the problems that you're trying to solve and how you're trying to solve them. Yes, absolutely. You were quite right. The process, it's, it's an amazing idea, but we understand it's a, it's a new concept and the process itself really isn't necessarily very friendly or efficient. Unless you are super, you know, avid about Project Catalyst, mm-hmm. you really don't want to figure out. When we were even registering to read proposals, for example, you've you got to have an account and then everything is kind of uh, not very clear. Now, when you even get to that point where you start to read proposals, that's where the, you know, the real kicker comes in. You have hundreds of proposals but they're all written in their own style, uh, in their own framework. So for you as an interested voter to understand how to vote and which one to vote for, it takes a lot of time and cognitive uh, capabilities and energy from you. Mm. And we identified that when we were participating as voters. So we thought, how can we make this whole process easier? So there are a few things we could do. Number one is we can create an objective, open source, binary, some criteria, for example, very simple criteria. Does it have a budget breakdown? Does it have a clear timeline? Does it have pivoting plan if something doesn't work out? Those very simple things that we don't need to judge ourselves, just filter it through from this simple filter. And if a certain proposal passes this filter, then we can say, okay, now we're going to feature your proposal in our uh, podcast and in our YouTube video to present it in a neutral form. Like for this funding round, here are the proposals that passed the great filter. And we don't make any commentary. We don't say, ah, this seems promising. Or also we don't say, this is about Africa, just vote for it. Uh, we don't add any additives. We wouldn't even change the problem statement. We just say it as is. Now, some people might contend this has very low entertainment value, but our positioning really isn't to entertain. Mm-hmm. It is a tool for people to uh, more efficiently participate in Project Catalyst. Because today, when you think about when you vote, you go to that voting app and you see what, what metrics do you use? You, you should either use the quality ratings. I think most people use the quality ratings. If they see four star and buff, then they give it a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. They don't really have the time or energy to spend on mm-hmm. deep diving into it. Mm-hmm. But what about we give you this already filtered through dozens of proposals. And if you 
hear something that you find interesting, then you can go into it and read it for yourself instead of solely relying on the quality ratings. Mm. Now that could put, uh, that could save people's time and thereby encouraging more people to participate in Project Catalyst. So in a nutshell, that's how uh, that's how we identify the problem and how we're planning to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the great filter isn't integrated into idea scale. It's kind of like a separate thing from it. Um, yeah. You have certain criteria where you filter through these different proposals, and as you mentioned, it could be does it have a budget? Does it have a clear timeline? These are obviously very important things. And then you filter through these proposals and then um, communicate these ideas in an unbiased, kind of very objective way, mm-hmm. what they are in the form of uh, content as podcasts or YouTube or something like that. Yes. It's very important that we don't add anything to it. For example, one of the ideas was that can we make it more coherent or more entertaining we discussed about it and we think not because this is a decentralized solution to a decentralized organization if we start to make it entertaining even if from goodwill we we become a centralized entity that is adding our own additives and we don't want to do that so we're happy to sacrifice a little bit of the user experience yeah. or entertainment value, but to retain, you know, the true value of the every single proposal. Yeah. The key part there is the value. Like value can come in the form of entertainment, but it can also come in the form of just information. And yeah. so what you're doing is you're you're pretty much providing a tool to the project project catalyst community. Mm-hmm. Uh, tools aren't always entertaining. They can be. But um, this particular tool is one where it's just yeah, that you're kind of filtering through all these things. You're doing that work and then presenting it in a way that's probably a bit more consumable, digestible. Like for example, podcasts are really powerful because they it's a form of content that is time efficient because you can mm-hmm. listen to it passively. You can listen to it while you're driving to work, working out. I don't do that very Absolutely. often these days, but you know what I mean? It's passive. And what would be cool is if there was some sort of button or you could probably even post a link to the video on IdeaScale itself so that when people are going on there, they're always going to be one click away from this other version of consuming this idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, actually, that was something we were thinking as a next step. Um, you're absolutely right also about podcasts because one of the things that sort of stops people from engaging is that it has a barrier to entry. You have, a, you have to have an account, but if you have Spotify, if we present it on YouTube, most people just have those platforms in their phones. They don't need to go to idea scale. Now, if we could take that even further on idea scale, you also have one click away from your Spotify podcast or your YouTube. Yes, then that definitely could encourage even more user engagement. Mm-mm. Yeah, but ultimately you're, you're trying to reduce the amount of friction in terms of participating yes. in this. Yeah, yes. which is so important, like especially with things like Project Catalyst that are so powerful, we want to make it as as user-friendly as, as possible mm-hmm. so as many people can get involved, thus de- increasing the decentralization of it as well and, and all of that. So it's all, it benefits everyone. I love it. I love it. So you've received funding what's that roadmap look like for that? What are you guys kind of, what does that look like? Um, so we are targeting fund seven 
Fund 7 is projected to start in the middle of November. So from now to November, what we're doing is that we are mapping out every single task we need to do so that we can get to the end point, presenting everything in a fair manner. So for the last few weeks, my team and our lead proposer, Li Tan No, shout out to him. We have been mapping out every single thing at the hours, down to the every single hour we would do. We came up with about 880 hours of work for all of us to finish this. And the next step is to actually carry out those work. So that includes, for example, procurement of equipment, communicating with video editors and everything. Mm -hmm. Exciting times. And for those that want to, I guess, is there a way for people to follow your work or um, keep up to date with this particular um, project that you're working on? Is it just through your like your personal um, kind of social media channels? So we are planning to do a marketing plan. And the next step is to actually make the marketing plan and then is to define what platforms we're going to be on. This is a very step-by-step process, but we will have a dedicated marketing channel and communications channel. We're thinking Twitter and Discord channels initially, Mm -hmm. and also later down the line, we would like to have also Reddit Mm -hmm. um, for community, more community exposure. So absolutely the feedback of the community is also very vital. This is still uh, an MVP for the next step. We would like to hear community feedback. We would also have GitHub uh, for open source, our filtering criteria, and Mm. the users can make pull requests, adding their uh, preferred filtering criteria as well. Mm -hmm. Exciting time. So I guess people can just um, stay tuned for all the updates. Um, Absolutely. hmm. I'd love to pivot a bit to the you and your mission of um, building out the Chinese speaking Cardano community because um, I'm very passionate about obviously Cardano as this amazing tool to change the world. And by change the world, I mean everyone and all parts of it. So mm-hmm. if we're trying to build out this Cardano community, it really does need to be global. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what kind of inspired you to focus on this part in particular um you just saw it as a like a massive opportunity like it res like obviously you've got links to it um uh, what made you kind of be like okay this is actually something that needs to happen and i'm going to put my hand up and try my best to do it you already mentioned some of the key components so the first and foremost naturally i'm from china so I have the natural connection and the cultural know-how. And number two is Cardano in the Chinese speaking community is a truly special existence. So what do I mean by this? Let's, let me give you an example, Polkadot, Ethereum. They are discussed. They are discussed by mainstream Chinese crypto influencers. They are discussed by art, uh, on the mm. different articles featured. Cardano is not. And that initially just piqued my interest. I was thinking this is one of the top cryptos, but you guys talk about Doge uh, and Ripple and everything else, but why not Cardano? There seems to be a deliberate attempt to avoid Cardano. So I dig deeper and I found out it's due to several things. Um, Number one, it was linked to farmer scams in China a few years back. However, that scam has nothing to do with Cardano. It was some uh, using the Cardano banner and using the name. 
but they were just basically telling the farmers airdrops and things like that, get ADA for free. Um, they, they scammed quite some farmers. It's really sad, but obviously even also sad for Cardano, it got a really bad rep. Uh, the mainstream media, they really didn't care to dig deep what this was. You know, the mainstream media, they were just like, oh yeah, Cardano is a scam and ADA is the farmer scam coin. Um, that's one of the reasons. And there was some other reasons. Um, Charles Hoskinson, he's very outspoken. <laughs> this obviously encourages a lot of community engagement, but obviously it has its downside. Um, so when I found out that ADA was not really talked about and it's such a promising project and it's in my native language, I just sort of feel this, well, it's sort of my responsibility that I'm in here, I'm investing in here for both selfish reasons and for selfless reasons. I want to preach and actually tell people this is not a scammer coin. This is not a farmer scam coin and it has real potential. It's also not a ghost chain, which Ada was called previously <laughs> ghost chain uh, oh. quite frequently. Yeah. Yeah. The ghost chain is a massive low. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay so I wasn't um, aware of that that scam component um and that being a, a reason why um there's a bit of friction with cardano and and china that's unfortunate obviously first and foremost for the people that got scammed but then also for um you know this cryptocurrency that wasn't actually affiliated with that um but that's just the nature of the game unfortunately um absolutely and another reason is that Mm, Cardano does not have that kind of hype train like Polkadot does in China. This is purely my speculation, though. Um, I actually spied in some Polkadot groups in China, and I felt their vibes. It's really a lot about when moon, when is the next IDO. And because Cardano doesn't do this, to many people, it, this is actually unnatural. It feels like, are you dead? Why there's no moon? And I believe that. <laughs> that Why is there an eclipse? Can... There's like a permanent eclipse. I can't see anything. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And also, Chinese-speaking community, it is one of the largest markets out there. So why wouldn't we want to tap into that market? It's not just China. We have Singapore, Malaysia, and I got people from Canada, USA, even Scotland. They are all Chinese. They want to know about ADA. So mm. we should, you know, unite the Chinese speaking community all over the globe to learn more about Cardano. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I want to quickly touch on that that hype point. Um, Cardano, mm. there's, or I mean, outside of Cardano, there's a lot of like wind moon, wind moon, wind token. Um, I love. <laughs> I generally love the when people are communicating in the space, they shorten everything. They're all minimalist <laughs> in terms of how they communicate. It's not when is the token, when are we reaching all-time highs? It's when moon, when token. It's very minimalistic. Um when Binance. <laughs> when Binance, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so outside of card, I don't know, because I've, you know, I check out other groups as well. Like I'm quite curious and want to see what's going on. And there is this um kind of a different approach to everything is it's very quick and like when is this a ex lot, lot of people talk about running these extreme marketing like aggressive marketing yeah. campaigns you don't have that in cardano it's, it's a very different approach and to, to me that's actually a, a positive thing if your time scale is like long term 
And sometimes, um, uh, sorry, the crypto space and long-term investment is sometimes to people, it sounds like contradiction in terms, it, like they shouldn't coexist. I'm in crypto to make quick gains. Why are you telling me long-term? I observe this in many investors uh, in the crypto space. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, the, so we're kind of, Cardone is more building out the fundamentals, uh, which is also super important from an investor point of view. Um, but when you're riding, like when you're in a bull run, the prices aren't always yeah. dictated by fundamentals. It's dictated by other things, hype and yeah. just um, people just aping in. So it's just a very complex game, especially when you're trying to make money. But yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think Cardano is taking and the community uh, kind of taking a slightly different um, approach and in terms of actually what they're doing and how they're thinking about everything. Um, that's yeah. kind of just just wanted to quickly point that out but um diving into you seeing this as a something that needs to be done um kind of yeah. building out the chinese speaking cardano community what are some of your strategies in doing that um obviously the globally there's different um because this is something i quite i try and think about as well because i, I create content as well um yeah. and i was just thinking in my head like it would be cool if i could just create like a graphic on which lived online somewhere, maybe Canva. And then you mm -hmm. had this ecosystem of other content creators that spoke different languages, part of different cultures. And then people can just pretty much take that content and then change the text like, or whatever, yeah. uh, and then repurpose it to their audience in a way mm -hmm. that is all kind of, kind of moving as one machine, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, what, what's your strategy, I guess, to, um, to do this, to implement this, because I, I agree it's an important thing here, but what is what are some of your strategies? From what you just described, I believe that was more like a tactic. Um, more of a tactic, yeah. Yes. So for strategy, if we look at a really high level, I think it really comes from education. It has to come from education. Teaching people the proper mindset, giving them the proper tools, those two things combined, they can be super powerful. So that's, that's really the guiding star of my entire uh, strategy. So basically I spent most of my time creating, curating high quality Cardano content and really start from the basics. What is staking? Why do you stake? Why not centralized entities? What is Catalyst? When we start, when I started with that and actually it got quite good engagement because well, I used staking and I used 5% return per year. That's a little trick there. Um, but you, when you hook people in, when they start to listen to you, then you can start to plant different seeds in there. Then you can tell them staking is good 5% a year, but it's long-term even better. And now people start to think about long-term. And then I tell them, come join the Telegram group because you can share your insights. People can teach you, teach each other how to stake. So then I start to cultivate a Telegram group. Then it is no longer just a one-word conversation that I teach them. It becomes a two-way conversation. People can come in, talk to each other. Hey, where are you from? Uh, from Taiwan, from Malaysia. Now we're all learning about Cardano. After a while, you start to see people start to educate each other. Now they don't even need me. And I think that's the best thing that could happen. The community evolves itself, educates itself. And so that is my overall strategy to educate, to combine people together, and then to grow the ecosystem organically. Mm. 
Yeah, interesting. That's definitely needed in the space. Um, and all these different because ideally what we want is all these different because there's Cardano community and then there's communities mm. within that community. And it'll be ideally we want to be able to connect these uh, sub uh, communities uh, somehow um, so that it's we can actually move as a as a full force as as opposed to like fragmented forces. Um, mm. <clears throat> so you're kind of leading the way for the, the Chinese uh, community. Are, are you kind of open to collaborating? So if there's any listeners out there who are, you know, also wanting to do that, which I imagine there will mm -hmm. be, there are or will be, how do, how do you go about collaborating with other people that are wanting to try and do that? Like, so maybe another content creator combining forces or like helping each other out. Like um, how, how can we accelerate that process? Yes. Uh, first, let me add to a point I forgot to mention. You said a very important point about we are not isolated communities. We are connected and somebody needs to connect that. So that's also what I'm doing apart from the content creation. For instance, I go to Epoch's End and it has now become a routine to the Epoch's End show that I give Chinese community updates. What's happening in the Chinese community? How many scammers I caught in the Telegram group? And also I take that learning and epochs end what's happening in the in the international community i take that back to the chinese community and relay that information what has what have we discussed and what's happening in the community what has charles hoskinson recently discussed let me translate to you and we have a discussion so yes like you said we not only need content creation we also need to connect each mm. continent absolutely now to answer your question when it comes to collaboration, I, I think that's very important. For example, coming to this show with you, that's important. There's another community member, shout out to Ada Hearts. Heartspool, he creates also content that exactly like you said, you know, we use a template and just add Chinese into it. Now it become and now it becomes a Chinese, for example, staking tutorial. Oh, cool. That is yes, that's amazing collaboration and highly efficient, scalable. You know, just throw it to the Korean person and now the Korean community can enjoy the benefit of this education. Hmm. So that's on uh is that somebody through Ada Hearts, that template? Yes, so I believe Ada Hearts, he has his copyrighted staking tutorial and yeah. he has the infographic on one side and then he also has a Google Doc a sort of um, a table that you could fill in your own native language. So I am asked to fill in things like staking, Chinese, uh, Ada Wallets, Chinese, things like that. Yeah. Now yeah. he can just you know populate the fields. Now you have a fully functional infographic for the community. You mentioned um, scams in the Telegram group. Uh, <laughs> can you I maybe... need to drink water for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we could quickly speak about uh, just just the scams because we um, more and more people are entering this community and it's actually quite important that people have this base understanding about what are some risks that they can be exposed to. Um, mm. Uh, because if you're in the space for a while, you can kind of point them out. You're like, okay, this is obviously a scam. Like on Telegram, like the mm. community managers don't reach out to you directly. Like there's certain mm. things that you're aware of only because you've been in the space for a, a while. Um, so, so maybe someone like yourself who runs a big Telegram group and has been involved in a while, what are some things that 
um, some tips you can give people that are newish to the space mm-hmm. um, to help mitigate their risk of getting scammed because there's a lot of scams out there and those scams will only increase probably mm-hmm. as um, you know smart contracts are around the corner. Absolutely. We already are seeing an influx and increase in the scams. So let's start from the very basic. Um, there's no ADA giveaway. And <laughs> I think it, this, this yes. should be a tattoo uh, on somebody's skin. Are you going to volunteer? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a sharp question. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there's no ADA giveaway. On the same note, be very careful. I have seen this about... ADA decks, airdrops, um, mm. we know MinSwap, those are the legit ones, but there are so many other swaps that are so exotic I've never heard of. And somebody just coming to the group and drops that link and say, claim your 50 US dollar worth of this swap. Um, so for my group, I have this zero tolerance policy, very strict. If you send a link, it's immediate ban. And um, I know this is very strict, but that's because people have been scammed quite a few people scan out of those phishing links. Those are the, I, I would call, um, more technical kind of scams. But what's more difficult to combat is the, what I call, hey, I'm your friend type of scam. I would say it's quite uh, dedicated scammers. They're really passionate about what they do. They join this group and they tell, they ask me about staking and you know what they, pretend like they really love Cardano, really into staking. They even volunteer to teach other people. So that's really difficult to tell them apart that they are scammers when somebody is showing such passion. But what they do on the download, not being in a group, but they will start to DM the members is like, okay, I can help you with the staking. And they do. And then later they will say, but staking is only 5% a year. Wouldn't you want to do something more exciting? Like I have this winning strategy. If you just give me $2,000, I'm going to flip it into $20,000. This has happened to multiple members. And we, I wouldn't have known that if they didn't came to the group and said, hey, this guy just DM'd me. And then everybody starts to say, yeah, he also DM'd me. He seems like a genuinely good guy. So I think as the community grows, Cardano grows, the enthusiasm and the tactic of these scammers is also going to grow. And people need to know that, um, I, I don't want to sound too cynical, but we don't have time to reach out to you, each individual person, if we don't have an agenda, right? Mm. Just assume whoever approaches you on Telegram has an agenda. That's the yeah. best tip. Uh, yeah, I think as a general rule, uh, rule of thumb, navigating this space we should be navigating it with a level of skepticism um, in yeah. everything we do, even if it's investing, be kind of skeptical about these things that, that people are saying that are going to be achieved, but also be skeptical, skeptical. If someone reach out to, reaches out to you. So the words aren't flowing this morning. Um, be skeptical, <laughs> be skeptical. <laughs> if the, um, if you get a DM from someone saying, Hey, of like, let's be friends. Um, yeah. I'm going to airdrop you this amount of ADA if blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah be skeptical. Uh, but the I am your friend type of a scam is um, yeah, interesting because th- that would definitely work for certain types of people. Like that would work with my mom, for example. <laughs> she, would, she would read a message and be like, oh, Blaine, like I got this <laughs> such nice message from this guy who, who loves ADA. And I know you love ADA. So do you know this person? I'm like, 
he asked, um, he had this really cool idea and he needed $50 and he seemed like a nice guy. So I sent him my money and I checked my bank account this morning and I've got zero in there. I don't know what happened. So they're smart, these scammers. Um, but another rule of thumb is probably nothing in this world is free most of the time. So yeah. if you see this really amazing deal and it just seems too good to be true, it probably is. So also keep that in mind. Um, I know when I, and, and these scams can be everywhere. So you mentioned Telegram, okay. they can also be on Twitter. I mean, anywhere where there's an internet connection, they can exist and also offline, they're, they're everywhere, okay. but particularly on, on the internet because that's where they can scale. Um, but it was interesting when I created um, my, uh, my ecosystem graphic on Twitter, within about an hour, there was like a switch almost. And there was just a flood of um, people commenting about this giveaway happening. And mm -hmm. I was like fairly new to Twitter. And um, I didn't realize that you couldn't delete comments. And so I was going through and I was like, you can hide them, but I, I like, um, <laughs> I'm not aware of that either. Yeah. So I was, I was trying to delete them and there was no delete button and I had to post. Yeah. So that, even that's quite interesting. I think you can hide it, but, um, yeah, so be, be careful out there friends because, mm. uh, um, Cardano is only heating up, only got to get like more, more popular, especially with, um, smart contracts around the corner. There's just got to be a lot more attention on Cardano which means that'll be potentially a good opportunity for scammers because where there is attention, there's also an opportunity to exploit that attention. True. So, so yeah, be careful. Um, be careful fam. Um, okay. Um, hmm. What else are you passionate about? Um, so for my stake pool, Mm -hmm. I figured out a way to encourage more people to join the pool. For example, recently I designed, not I designed, I got an artist to design a series of dumpling NFTs that I am going to drop uh, airdrop to their wallets. I saw those. They look cute. <laughs> Thanks. So it was kind of difficult, you know, just trying to figure out what fits my image and also that's fun. So I came up, okay, what about flavors? You know, we could have mushroom flavors. We could have diamond flavors. And I also did a poll on Twitter, like what's the best dumpling flavor? And for the last option, I added weed. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know if people are trolling. It's like more people have chosen <laughs> weed than all the other options. Uh, so that was the most popular I saw. <laughs> I don't think that's a traditional flavor, though, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like one commenter said, enough of that. If you add that enough of that magic herb, then everything it becomes it tastes good. It's like, okay, yeah. can't really argue with it. Yeah, there's probably a bit of truth to that. <laughs> okay, so you have these NFTs. So how does that work? So people um, who stake with your pool, so the FIKA pool, so F-I-K-A. Mm -hmm. Yep. If I can, so um, for the first, this is the first series. What I'm going to do is I will sort by the date that they, they joined. And for anybody who joined for over eight epochs, and then I will randomly select eight 
uh, addresses and send them because eight is sort of this really lucky number in Chinese. It sounds like fa, which means get rich. So eight epochs, eight dumplings, you know, you just get richy rich. Richy rich. So wait, <laughs> so fa, fa means get rich. It's, it's, an, it's a verb. It okay. means the action of getting rich. So oh. fa, yeah. Fa. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and, and wait, you said richy rich. What was that saying that you said? So, no, it's just a wish that you get rich. Um, oh, okay. That's why some people, you know, if they get really rich in China, they will get their license plates with many, many A's, as many, many A's oh. as possible. <laughs> like, so rich, 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 rich. Nice. I like it. They're being, uh, they're being proud of their riches, <laughs> expressing their, their pride in the form of a um, number plate. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so that's an interesting way to promote your pool. That was the other day I was thinking maybe um, somebody or a collaboration we could do is that tell the new coming SPOs, single pool operators, like how they could effectively do their marketing because I've seen many great people, technical people, they're running solid pools, uh, but they're struggling to get you know delegation. And I think it would be cool to just give people some tips here and there, like not just create a solid pool, oh. go out there and market. How about yeah, we give them some basic tips? That would be cool. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Um, one thing I'm wanting to do, maybe maybe we could help out in, in that way as mm -hmm. well. Um, yeah. One thing I want to do more of this podcast is have the occasional like group one where you have a few people on. So maybe in the future we could do one with just single staple operators mm. and the whole theme of that one could be kind of tips and tricks for mm -hmm. um, single staple operators and, and growing them. So maybe we can do that yeah. in the future if you're, if you're down yeah. for that. Um, and also, so that was, so that particular tip was you integrating these NFTs as a, as a, as a way to maybe get more exposure, incentivize people staking with your pool. But then you yes, also, this, yeah. 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 Okay. But this is not financial advice. Not a financial. <laughs> also, none of this. Is also, financial. not SPO advice. <laughs> if it yeah, doesn't yeah. work, <clears throat> don't come at me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. None of this is official advice at all. Um, I love how we live in the world where we have to dis have include all these disclaimers everywhere. But it is what it is. Um, another tip. So NFTs are obviously crazy, and they can mm -hmm. be used to kind of. Um, they could be added to existing business models and stuff like that as a way to maybe incentivize certain actions. So mm -hmm. you're doing that with your jewelry as well. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe explain the role that the NFT has with jewelry? Because obviously everyone's familiar with jewelry businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but where does the NFT come into that? And the, what's its purpose in that particular business? Uh, so give an example. For instance, recently we made an engagement ring of Pink Sapphire to a Danish client and she got the really nice ring, but we integrated on the metadata uh, the jewelry certificate. So you have, for example, GIA certificate, uh, you have how much carat this is, uh, what's the provenance and what's the cut and every size information, and then we put that onto the metadata. So now it became an online certificate for the jewelry, not only a cool piece of, you know, snapshot of your jewelry. Now you're also, for example, if you lost your physical certificate, you still have that jewelry certificate serial number on that NFT, which is 
immutably immutable proof of your ownership and the authenticity of your jewelry. So that's one of the functionalities of having that. Now, the other thing I was also entertaining this thought is that how about we think about anti-theft? Um, if you are going to sell your piece of heirloom jewelry, you have to have the matching NFTs because, for example, if somebody burgled uh, your house and got your engagement ring, now they can't sell it because they don't have the matching NFT from the ring. Now, that's another potential great utility for the jewelry NFTs. Hmm. Um, it's more later down the line. And anybody can recreate this Jewelry, for example, this piece of pendant, sure, you can find a factory to remanufacture it. But now the policy ID, the metadata and everything you currently have, that cannot be replicated. So that became the real unique piece of unique part of your jewelry. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So the anti-theft one was a use case that I actually hadn't really thought about before, but it um, actually makes quite a bit of sense. Like, um, for example, if someone steals something from your house or whatever, they they steal your fancy watch. What's the fancy watch brand? I don't know. Probably Philippe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they steal some some expensive jewelry and then they go to the the um the pawn shop, the thrift store, whatever you call it, where you can sell secondhand stuff. Nowadays, they can kind of go there and pretty much just sell it. Um, yeah. I think, but if there was some sort of NFT linked to that, like, and this would have to be kind of integrated into just, um, how people run these sorts of businesses, like this would have to be like adopted everywhere kind of thing, but it could still work. But if this person tried to sell this expensive watch and the person running the stores, like, oh, can you provide like your NFT mm -hmm. ownership thing? And they're like, oh. So like, I, I don't have that. I've just got the watch and they're like, okay, we need that just kind of as like a double way of verifying that exactly. you actually own this thing. And so that, that's actually quite interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we can see many future use cases of NFT. We can have a nice pivot about NFTs because right now when people think about NFTs, it's speculation or linked with money laundering or just pixel art, but I think it goes beyond just that. Um, I'm not sure how exactly, but even just for jewelry, I could think of this anti-theft use case, but for many potentially other industries, we can have more use cases, not limited to online digital arts. Yeah, yeah, 100%. NFTs, we're only scratching the, the surface of what these things can look like. Um, uh, even in terms of art, um, we're also just scratching the surface around what that, like you can have NFT um, art that is just JPEGs, or you can have something that's mm. more like unsigned algorithms where it's the NFT is the code and the code mm. can be re represented as this JPEG, but the NFT isn't the JPEG, it's the it's this code. And, and it's yes. kind of this, this form of art that is native to the medium in which you're creating it on, which is super, super, super cool. Um, I'm still I, trying to understand Ansig, but yeah, from everything like the surface level knowledge I heard, it, it is really mind blowing. Hmm. Well, if you're trying to wrap your head around it, I've got a podcast coming out with him today, yeah. actually. Um, today? <laughs> tonight, tonight, actually. Oh. 
which is super, super interesting because I come from like an architecture background and the way his thought process behind that is really interesting. So, yeah, so there's the same, the, the idea is that there's so many different um, ways that like when we talk about a non-fungible token, we're, we're super early days about the utility and the use cases for that, for what that could be. And, and with the jewelry uh, and um, as one way of kind of verifying ownership and mitigating theft, yeah. these are some possibilities. And just one um, thing on that jewelry is one cool thing is you often have family jewelry things. I know my mom and dad, they've got like these rings and stuff <laughs> that get passed down from family members and, and, and whatnot. And it would be cool if there was some sort of digital link to that in the form of mm -hmm. an NFT that not only showed um, maybe the ownership, like who who owned it. And I like the the transaction over time about ownership. So, you know, you've owned it now, but your mom owned it before and yeah. then her mom and whatever. But there was also stories intertwined through the metadata of mm -hmm. each of each piece of jewelry. Like imagine if you had this ring that was your great, 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 great granddad's ring way back in the day. And you could see the stories that were in, that were related to that jewelry and were part of your family history. Yeah. Kind of track. That's a digital family history, you know, immutable forever on the blockchain. Yeah, but tied to this physical thing. Like mm. that that is super cool because um in my culture, multiculture, there's a big emphasis on your genealogy. And you hear mm. stories and stuff like that. Cause that's obviously how information was passed down. It was passed down through stories or through song, through ritual. Um but I always ask myself, like, it would be cool if we could leverage some of this technology to really solidify a lot of these stories. Um in a way that you there's kind of when you hear a story like you can you'll be like oh this is actually true and you can kind of go to the original storyteller on the blockchain mm -hmm. at block number 503 or whatever <laughs> and um you can see this story like it's, it's one way of um yeah just linking the physical world again with the um the digital world and like in a nuanced way like this is not like a, a separate necessary thing but it's a cool thing like if you could mm -hmm. have this some of these family stories um embedded in the blockchain which is also linked to a ring like that's i don't know especially for cultures like yours i think that has great meaning both symbolic and practical meaning mm. very fascinating i like it um the, we're probably nearing nearing the end. We've been talking for for a while, um, which I've enjoyed, by the way. Um, are there any particular things that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to discuss before I <laughs> before I yeah. do the last closing questions? So we can talk about the future plans. We can have some rant about Maxis. We okay. already ranted about scammers. <laughs> yeah, we've had a rant. I mean, Okay, so it's a, good, it's a good time because today I'm sure you have seen all this weekend so many uh, ETH Maxis are trashing Cardano. It's it's quite entertaining to be honest. All right, so maybe maybe I'll hand the mic over to you. Maybe tell 
What what what's been going on this week in terms of the Ethan BTC Maxis trashing Cardano? <laughs> okay, let me start by Friday. So Friday was the <laughs> highlight. <laughs> um, actually, I might have a Cardano Tea podcast one day because <laughs> I love this. Yes. Yeah. So on Friday, Mark, I believe his name is Mark Alfredo or Mark Alfred. Uh, he's a very seasoned, allegedly seasoned investor, 20 years of experience, uh, very big on Bitcoin. And he hosted a space called, you know, uh, questions to the Cardano community. The spokesperson from the Cardano community was Dwayne Cameron. He is from Liquid Finance, mm, mm. Uh, doing something really important for the community. So obviously he was... Uh, spearheading this conversation i jumped in a little bit later and about 20 minutes in i lost part of the context but basically mark was asking poking uh, poking at Dwayne about i don't see any utility in cardano like <laughs> I, I i don't think uh, the market cap matches its use case you you know you know the trail they always say this so Dwayne gave an example of what he was doing uh, on cardano but Mark was like, yeah, but uh, I'm already rich, you know, uh, don't need to do get those DeFi sweet gains. I could get stable returns. Okay. And spoken like as true person, like speaker for the people, like this may have value for the majority of the world, but I'm already rich. So where's the use case? Yes, the, the, the ironic thing is he is representing Bitcoin, right? The alleged silent revolt. And yet he is 20 year old, 20 year experienced banker saying, I don't need this sweet DeFi gains. And then it became a brawl and um, Dwayne left. But what happened afterwards was really humiliating. Uh, he was inviting all the non-Cardano people to speak after Dwayne left. And he kept saying, Capture this. I don't know much about Cardano, but and that's the theme of the night. Every single person who oh spoke God. afterwards, they start almost with a sentence. And yo, dude, I don't know much about Cardano, but and I don't know much about Cardano, but I just don't think it has any future. Uh, I don't know any devs de developing on it. So I was tagging Mark and like, can you please give speaking ability to just one Cardano person? So we can give you insights because you keep saying you don't know. How about you get to know? <laughs> Ironically, he liked one of those tweets telling him to give Cardano people speaking ability, but he actually didn't give it. Yeah. Later, Charles Charles actually jumped onto that space and Mark was like, guys, I have an important meeting. Uh, I need to jump off now. Classic. So Charles didn't get to speak. Yes. So that, that, that's the beginning of our great weekend episode of people basically repeating themselves. Um, I don't think I know about Cardano, but I also don't want to know about Cardano. So yeah, it's a scam. Mm. Yeah, it's um, quite hilarious. Um, yeah, like if, if someone's prefacing what they're saying, they're, if they're prefacing their critique with, I don't know much, that's, that's, that's an automatic red flag. Yes, um, it's like, I'm not racist, but... <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much along those lines. Um, the, like a big criticism is this idea that there is like, how can we use Cardano now? So obviously on mm -hmm. Ethereum, you have, um, you know, you've got actually this, this DAP ecosystem where people can, can use it, promote, like mm -hmm. uh, NFTs and, and DeFi being the, the primary use case, gaming as well. Um, 
And on Cardano, because we don't have smart contracts yet, obviously we don't have those steps that we can actually interact with now. But we, the, a lot of these are under construction and also finished, ready to go once, once they mm. go live. So you need to ask the question like, if smart contracts go live on the 12th of September and on the 11th of, Dece of September as a Bitcoin maximalist, you're saying, how can I use Cardano? It has no use case. I can't use it now. But you know that tomorrow, potentially, this whole ecosystem can be used. Like, where does that potential for utility factor into that market cap? And it's, it's like they don't they don't consider that. Like, we can't use it today, but tomorrow, if you said that same argue, argument, that would be invalid because you can use it because smart contracts are now live. So you need to factor in like this potential utility and you can see that potential because there are actually a lot of people building shit on this ecosystem. So like, but they'd like to cherry pick their points. That's just part their of it. Classic argument is the network effect. Oh, it's, it, it's recognized by, you know, large entities, many developers, many projects, but sure. But the same thing can be said about horse carriages. You know, why do you need cars if horse carriages have such network effect? And so that's why I don't get them. Like if they're really that in about the tech, then they would read more about Cardano because Cardano is about really good tech, solid foundations. It's too many contradictions uh, in the arguments to this point. I think they're just engagement farming or maybe Jack Dorsey paid them so that they get more Twitter engagement points mm. because now it's just very ridiculous. <laughs> mm. Yeah. On the, um, yeah. So the, the network effects, like I, I can, 100% understand that, but with Ethereum, obviously they have the first mover advantage in terms of smart contracts, but uh, there'd be more resistance and the network effect will have more power if there's like a massive barrier for that network moving over to another network. But if you have like Cardano and you have the, right? the converter and they can yeah. literally cross over, that network effect has less power has less gravity because you can literally bridge over to another one very seamlessly mm -hmm. if there is more value for your community on another chain and if you are a dap that is focused on maximizing your value if you can maximize that value on another chain then it's in your best interest and in your community's best interest to do that wherever that is so the chain shouldn't be the focus it should be maximizing the value for community and that could be anywhere and you shouldn't exactly yeah and if you have these converters to go anywhere you should use these tools if you actually care about maximizing value for your community so yeah also yeah. for the users now you don't need to worry about you know 200 dollars gas fee why wouldn't people want to use it or want to urge for you to convert into cardano it mm. yeah and then the the transaction fees are a big kind of uh pain point for people using um, Ethereum. I mean, uh, last time I used Ethereum, I bought something on Uniswap and I, it was like 200 bucks for fees. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? And the, the very first time I bought something on Ethereum, and I, like I like it, like I like Ethereum. I love Vitalik. Like I, I actually like Vitalik. <laughs> um, and I, I wish Vitalik and Charles could be friends again. That'd be amazing. But, um, the first time that I 
bought something on Ethereum. I wasn't aware of these fees. <laughs> and I, I remember I like I don't have a lot of money. And I remember I bought some coin and I had like 50 bucks or something. And then I put $50, bought $50 worth of this coin. And I got like $10 of the quote because $40 were in fees. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a stitch up. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of room for optimization. Um, and I don't, I, I don't see dApps being loyal to the point where they wouldn't cross over if there was just some other massive benefit on the other side. Like I just don't exactly. see it. Yeah. You, you can say that it has many use cases, but it feels like it's a building with poor foundations. Now you have a lot of residents, but what does that matter in the long term? You know, it's not going to last. Like it's a successful proof of concept, but it's not a successful attempt that can be scaled up, unlike Cardano. So I think that's maybe why so many haters just recently started acting up because it's a lot of panic. We got a converter. We're going to have smart contracts. Mm. People need a, you know, catharsis. They, they need to yell at us and mm. sort of confirm their bias. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, like my, um, I, I like Bitcoin. I like Ethereum. I think they all have, um, they can coexist. And and especially Bitcoin is a different use case to Cardano, in my opinion. It's, it's like like many people refer to as refer to it as more of a digital gold. And and I think that has its its place. My, my, uh, uh, what's the word? Like, um, the thing that I'm not a big fan of is, is more less about the, the blockchains, but more about the maximalists. Um, yes. a maximalist in anything is usually risky. Um, mm -hmm. and one thing I'd like to kind of maybe explore is this idea of maximalism within Cardano and what that means and the potential risks around that, like, um, because inevitably, as this chain grows, there will be Cardano maxis. I mean, there probably are Cardano maxis now. That, um, but how do we go about managing that? Like, it's do we are they a good idea? Because we we believe that Cardano is the best blockchain, and if there's maxis advocating for the best best blockchain, is that a good thing? But obviously, that's the the methodology and the thought process behind BTC maxis and ETH maxis. Mm -hmm. How do we how do we navigate through think, that as a community? I think the community actually, if we look at the real community people, not the investing in ADA to just flip 20x, I think the community as a whole, in general, they don't like to be maxis. It's sort of a, a contradiction in terms, <laughs> sorry, when you think about Cardano community and maxis, I think it's so self-critical. It's very research driven, peer reviewed, like this sort of spirit is bleeding through the entire community. Even if we are not the people writing the journals and the papers, I think we have this general attitude that we are self-critical because for instance, sometimes I went on Cardano Reddit, occasionally you always see people on some highly voted posts, they would say, let's not turn this into an echo chamber. And th this is one mm. of the reasons I fell in love with Cardano. We don't want to be maxis because competition <laughs> breeds innovation. Now, if we become maxis, how are we so that so much different from Mark Alfred or Alfredo? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the more maxi you are, the more resistant you are for new ideas. And mm. if you're a blockchain that is focusing on like we are, 
blockchain so new that if if this is to be successful, we are forced to be innovative because mm. there are going to be so many problems that we stumble upon that we didn't anticipate. And if we have these kind of ideas in mind that we won't change on no matter what we come across, then we'll just end up having so many roadblocks <laughs> and yes. we just, we won't be able to break through them because we've got these ideas that we can't move away from if we need to. So yeah, the, 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 the slide, there's almost this correlation between your level of maximalism and also your resistance to change and innovation. Absolutely. So, something to bear in mind. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I think Cardano as a whole, we're probably less inclined for maximalism. Maybe, maybe we're just being biased there. Maybe mm -hmm. not. But inevitably, as this grows, it'll be Cardano maxis. And mm. I think that's not a good idea. We can have strong people advocating for great ideas within the space, 100%. Like, I 100% love passion for, for what we're doing. And there's no one better than that than Charles. Uh, he's mm -hmm. extremely passionate, passionate about what he believes in. And I love that, um, even if he gets hate from it. I mean, I'd much rather a founder who is, uh, doesn't really have a filter in this thing and, and, and what he talks about than someone that has a filter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Having a filter isn't really like in line of blockchain anyway. So like yes. blockchain blockchain's all about transparency and you want you want mm -hmm. like a kind of a, a leader within the space who is transparent as well, even in, in terms of how he communicates maybe. And I think Charles will be the probably the first person to say we're getting too much maxis in Cardano. That's that's my projection. I think he's very much against it. Maybe he'll pioneer a project called, you know, Cardano Maxi Watch. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like it could be called like minimize maximalism. <laughs> like, like some sort of play on words with that. Min, min, min max for short. Minmax.com. Yeah, maybe that could work. Um, so you, you talk about the futures, um, the, the closing, closing question of this, I'd love to ask you what excites you the most about the future of Cardano, but, um, are there any other related things to the future that we, you want to kind of talk about before we mm -hmm. close off? I know, um, prices pumped recently is, is someone that got into the space as an investor. Do you have any thoughts on maybe that? <laughs> Well, I don't really have an exit strategy. <laughs> I think I'm not going to sell my bag, but I might sell some staking rewards. You know, it's yeah. the plan is to just live off staking rewards, especially with the price appreciation. Because if you think you timed the market right and you sold and it never came back, well, you just lost a lot. So I'm not going to sell my bag. Mm. Mm, uh, that's bad. in terms of from the investor point of view. Now, for the community, obviously, it's a great tide to ride right now to push out more content as we have so much popularity in the space, just pushing out videos like crazy, educating people about Cardano. Mm. Uh, that's my plan for the community growth. For that, I also actually had to open another Telegram group because we're growing quite a lot. I had to open the Cardano Tea group for people to just, you know, sip tea and chit chat. And the main chat will have to remain informational uh, mm. and educational. So I'll probably also apply funding for Fund 7. 
underestimated the workload uh, and the budget needed to really scale this. I want to build the Chinese Cardano community to a really scalable size, mm -hmm. probably even bigger than Polkadot in the not so distant future. I have faith in that. It was very difficult in the beginning. People were not interested in this slowly getting staking rewards, slow development uh, approach. But now that we're having smart contracts, I think we can start to take off uh, and really bring on the agenda of growing it much bigger than Polkadot in the future. So that's my future plan <laughs> for mm. my community. Very exciting stuff. Um, I like the word takeoff. Um... But uh, not it, to the moon, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I was going to ask ask you when moon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're forbidden to say when moon in Carano. <laughs> when moon. Yeah, exciting, exciting. Okay. Um, well, I'd love to to um, collaborate with you on, on, on these ideas where I can because it seems like you're dreaming big, which I love. Hmm. Um, I spoke to someone recently, Sydney from WADA, and he mentioned yeah. this, is, this is a time for dreaming. And I 100% yes. agree that we're transitioning from this old world with a lot of mm. uh, flaws and, uh, you mm. know, uh, room for improvement. And we're transitioning to this world that is infinitely better. And we're, we're, when you're transitioning, now is the time to kind of dream all these dream things and dream big because we're literally yes. changing the paradigm of how we do things. Yes, when we do things in Cardano, I think it's wrong to think this is something we're taking off. It is right to think this is something we're changing from the old world that, yes, I agree with you. If somebody doesn't have the big vision, then it's probably not um, not really good in the space, especially for Cardano. It has been so many years building the foundation. Now is the time to really take off. Mm -hmm. And now with smart, smart contracts um, soon to be live, it is going to be like this, this this launch pad almost where we now have yeah. all these tools where we can actually um, turn these ideas into something tangible. Like it will be this launch pad where we can actually execute our dreams, which is like for me, that is super, super, super exciting. Um, yeah. And also Catalyst. It also is a place for people to achieve their dreams voted by the community. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so for people that want to um, connect with you online and support what you're mm -hmm. doing, how, how can they do that? So if you want to connect with me, I am on Twitter. Uh, my name is Bullish Dumpling, very simple. Uh, if you want to support me, please delegate to Fika Pool, F-I-K-A. Um, you're, you're getting staking rewards, you're supporting my work, and you will occasionally get dumpling NFTs, which is really delicious. Really so, delicious. Thank you. Especially the, the weed ones. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> secret. Okay. Um, for the closing question, um, I always ask, what excites you the most about the future of Cardano? I look forward for Cardano to replace the legacy banking system. I know Cardano has many, many big dreams, smart contracts, identity solutions, but I dislike banks with a passion <laughs> and I know they have been working functionally for centuries, but I think it's time for change and Cardano can really make that happen. That's long-term, that what, that's what thrills me. I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, 
people on the Wall Street and just shivers when they see Cardano. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe. Uh, and also, if you like our content, then make sure to check us out on social media with the handle Cardano Source. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.